Welcome to Ms. Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, a show about all things poetry. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. Word musicians, J. J can stand for many things in the world of poetry. I'd like to start off with J. I just randomly decided this this morning when I was rereading Dean Young's The Art of Recklessness for the mm, probably third time that J is for jarring. And Dean Young, he loves to say things that are jarring. And I think this has utter validity because then you get the chance to either join in his unbridled enthusiasm or disagree with him vehemently or somewhere in the middle, but either or your brain suddenly sparks into life and you think, okay, where do I stand on this statement? And that's important because if we're just creating gushy, blurby, uh, lackadaisical, wishy-washy kinds of uh, poetics or uh, prose writings on poetry, then we're not going to learn how to sharpen our minds and think deeply about our art. So he says on one page, we poets talked about craft, but what we meant were tricks and illusions. Then in capitals, he says, the writing of poetry is not a craft. Next paragraph, he says, we are making birds, not bird cages. This is also in caps. We are making birds, not bird cages. We might as well have been discussing how to hold your pinky finger while drinking tea. Poetry as a manipulation of craft elements. Give me a break, a smashing, at least a little rattle. Now, I agree and disagree with him because poetry is a craft in the sense that one can learn many elements and aspects of the mechanical techniques of writing a poem, but of course it's not in and of itself a craft, it's not in and of itself an art, it's not in and of itself an emoting, it is all of the above. And so he says we create birds, not birdcages. Well, by that he means a greater freedom and not constriction, but I have to disagree that form is necessarily a stricture. It can also be liberating. And birds, after all, as well as bird cages, have structure. They are crafted. They are created uh, natural art forms based on bones and feathers and organs and song. So I don't think it's an either-or proposition, but again, Dean Young, thank you for J jarring me. Okay, so the J I actually wrote about, well, I wrote about mostly one J, journals, and then at the very end, I write about another J briefly, Jeffers, Robinson Jeffers. So I was just talking to a writing friend yesterday about submitting to journals and what's going on with that these days. Do presses still want to see how many poems or short stories and so forth appear in journals? Uh, Does it matter? Do you have to make lists at the end of what appears where? Uh, What type of journal should you be publishing in? When I wrote this a few years ago, I didn't submit much to online journals and now of course you can't really get away 
with not submitting to online journals because I'd say that's almost three quarters of what's going on out there. I still think we have a kind of slippery relationship with that realm as in, does it matter as much if you're publishing an online versus a print journal? Uh, there's some, you know, abstraction instead of tangibility. Uh, does it have a, a cachet in the same way? I mean, we know that these poems on a range of uh, online journals are still open for being selected for, say, the best Canadian or best American poetry anthologies. So there's that. Or the Pushcart Prizes, there's that. But it still doesn't feel the same as it used to. I mean, when I first started submitting to journals in the uh, 90s, there was all print journals. There was no online journals. Uh, you had to send submissions via the post and you had to include a SAISI or a self-addressed stamped envelope. You would actually hear back a lot faster than you do these days, even from the online journals. Uh, I think there was just a much more dedicated force working behind these magazines. Maybe there was more grants and um, more respect for the art form. And you would often get a rejection letter that was personalized and focused on your own work. And you would learn something from that. Whereas now you often get a form letter if you even hear back at all. So it's gotten quite rude. And I really value those journals that take the time to just add a line or two about why they liked something or why something didn't work. Um, and to say something like, oh, you know, we enjoyed this submission, but we only published 3% of what we receive. And putting that uh, in context is great. And also an actual signature is lovely. So journals, here's what I wrote. Also known as periodicals or literary magazines in online or print form, becoming, alas, increasingly rare. They are the once proving grounds for the nascent author. We used to be told, make sure most of your manuscript has appeared in journals before you submit to a press. I'm truly not sure if this is the case anymore. Is there such a pr proliferation of online journals or blogs that one's work could appear in, often of dubious merit, that the significance of publishing in such realms has been watered down and rendered questionable. Has it? Uh, let me know. I, I think it's been rendered somewhat questionable, but I think there's also something that still matters about appearing in journals, whether online and print. So I was told recently, which was a few years ago, not to list the names of journals where all my poems had appeared in the work cited at the back of an upcoming book of poems. As, if granting bodies see such elaborations, they tend to deny funds to presses on the charge that there is no need for the text to appear in totem as a whole, as the work has already been mostly published in magazine or anthology format first, which seems absurd to me because these are all reaching a, a wild variety and range of audiences. And of course, the work in its final form is often totally different from individual poems as they appear in magazines. I continue to find a small selection of journals essential. In Canada, there's ARC, the New Quarterly, Canadian Literature, the Malahat Review, the Fiddlehead, and CNQ mainly. There are a few others. I publish online, but don't find it satisfying. That is still true, even though I mostly publish online. I need the tangible hard copy in my hands. Often one submits to contests run by journals, and even if one never wins, there's usually a subscription to the magazine available as compensation. 
this does get tedious after a while. You feel like nobody might buy this journal at all if it wasn't for these contests that were run to give you free subscriptions. So I really like to support journals that I actually would purchase one way or the other without submitting to their contest. Many poets stop submitting to journals when they achieve a certain number of published books or that elusive and fleeting bit of fame accorded by particular prizes. But really, isn't it about community? Yes. A worthy journal feature is well-published and new writers engaged in repartee and conversation and reviews. Every journal should have a review section. But you already know how I feel about that. Also, another J word that could help poets is uh, journals, which is another word for diaries. Uh, when I was a younger poet, I used to write extensively and copiously in journals. And sometimes this would stimulate ideas, phrases, sounds, and so forth. Uh, now I write very rarely in my journals, and I prefer to save my energy for my literary work. But yes, certainly can help at the start. And now a poet who has also been a huge part of my life, Jeffers, J is for Jeffers, as in Robinson, who also starts with J, a poet of the epic Grecian Californian landscape who obsessed me for years and led to not only a book, but a master's thesis, and also a trip to Carmel to read to uh, the audience of the Robinson Jeffers Society at Tor House and Hawk Tower, and it was absolutely fantastic. So part of the reason I was so drawn to him is that his work terrified me, especially the epic poems. Follow your resistances. They are often what yields the most difficult and satisfying fruit. So I'm going to end with one of Robinson Jeffers' lyrics, which is more terrifying in its subject matter than its length. But he still had such a, a stark and fierce vision. Go Jeffers. The Vulture. I had walked since dawn and lay down to rest on a bare hillside above the ocean. I saw through half-shut eyelids a vulture wheeling high up in heaven, and presently it passed again but lower and nearer, its orbit narrowing. I understood then that I was under inspection. I lay death still and heard the flight feathers whistle above me and make their circle and come nearer. I could see the naked red head between the great wings bear downward, staring. I said, my dear bird, we are wasting time here. These old bones will still work. They are not for you. But how beautiful he looked gliding down on those great sails. How beautiful he looked veering away in the sea light over the precipice. I tell you solemnly that I was sorry to have disappointed him, to be eaten by that beak and become part of him, to share those wings and those eyes. What a sublime end of one's body. What an ensciment. What a life after death. You've been listening to Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws. Stay fierce, word musicians.